0: I'm about to go wandering along the mountain track.
1: And as I go, I love to sing my knapsack on my back. Marie, 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 this is Sandy Washington along with Syl Stenman. Today we are welcoming Richard Pegg, a non-resident who is the director of the Holly Creek Thespians. Richard, welcome to Holly Creek. Good morning, thank you for having me. <laughs> Since I am not in the Thespians group, I'd like to know more about you, where you come from, how you came to Holly Creek, I've heard you speak with a charming accent.
0: Where is that from? Well, I'm from a little place about 5,000 miles east of us called England. (coughs) That's where I grew up. Um, My wife decided to kidnap me. She's an American, and uh, she brought me to the U.S. in 1992, um, and I became a U.S. citizen because I'm all about no taxation without representation in 2008. So that's, that's a quick history of how I got here and why I'm here now.
2: Well, <coughs> we got you on the recommendation of Reg and Phyllis Holm and said that you were um, very deeply involved in theater. So, before you came to Holly Creek, before
0: you came to the U.S., what were you doing with theater? Um, I always wanted to be an actor from very early on in uh, my life, um, and auditioned for drama school, and was not terribly successful. Um, you know, for every successful actor, there's a thousand that aren't. It's a hard <laughs> field to get into. Absolutely. So, um, uh, an actor acquaintance of the family said oh you should become an uh, apprentice intern at one of the repertory theatres in the country and she happened to know somebody and you know, as in show business it's not what you know, it's who you <laughs> know so she got me involved with our um, local repertory theatre in England the Everyman Theatre in Cheltenham which is sort of um, in the West Country Name ar- area. Is this the or place
2: you were born?
0: No, I was actually born um, in Lemington, which is in the Midlands. And then very shortly after I was born, my dad got a new job and was transferred down to the city of Gloucester, um, which is sort of if you imagine a map of England, it's where Devon and Cornwall start and Somerset start heading north towards Wales, and Gloucester is on that little point uh, between Wales and England. So you are
2: England. authentic British.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
2: And <laughs> you go back every now and then to... I the do,
0: because I still have family in England and still see uh, both my kids, um, and uh, grandbabies, so um, you know, there's even more necessity as I have a new grandbaby to spend more time in England So
2: so we have to lose you every now and then?
0: Absolutely I'm, I'm sorry about <laughs> we that. We
2: understand, <laughs> but we always want you back
0: Well yeah, I'll try, I'll, I'll try and make it back each time You
2: often do
0: you go back to England? Um, yeah. We used to go at least once a year, but now we're working on twice a year at least, at least, yeah. <laughs> um, and it it really boils down to how long we can spend in England in terms of: um,
2: Well your wife was working, she's retired now.
0: Uh, she is no, 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 she's still working. She's, she's, still she's working. an oil and gas minerals manager. Oh, so she uh, manages the um, oil and gas interest of her family um, down in Texas. Um, and plus she has friends in Nebraska and New Mexico and here in Colorado. See, now you
2: have lots, of to <laughs> <So> <laughs> has, <laughs> lots to do here.
0: So she has lots to do, and I have lots to do in, in terms of the, the uh, you div-
2: yeah mm-hmm. You have to divide these things up. But when you were doing this intern thing, tell us how that developed.
0: Um, well basically, it, it's a sort of backdoor, hands-on uh, way of learning the art of theatre. Um, it's more geared towards the backstage side of uh-huh, theatre. So which is interesting. You would spend a certain amount of time with the props department, the carpentry, uh, the scenic painters, the uh, costume and wig people. So you'd spend mm-hmm. amount of time, to, you know, a couple of months in each department learning the skills of building scenery, dressing wigs, uh, sewing costumes. And transporting
2: all of those things to other places, right? You did a lot of traveling with the shows? Uh,
0: not to begin with. That, that was okay. all, we had a different show every two weeks. So you would be performing Monday through Saturday, eight shows a week. So you'd be doing, you know, obviously Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and one Wednesday or Thursday afternoon matinee and in the mornings and on the afternoons when you weren't performing you would be rehearsing the play that you were putting on the next week the next uh, next two weeks oh, so, so y- you would you literally would arrive at 10 o'clock in the morning and not go home till 10, 30, 11 More o'clock at night. More than a full-time job. Oh, that's absolutely. A long day. Yeah, and that's seven, you know, almost seven days a week. The only mm-hmm. real day off you got was Sunday. When do you have time to relax? on sunday <laughs> on sunday and in the pub whole after. week's worth
2: <laughs> and in the
0: pubs and in the pub after the show we'd, we'd always just about managed to make it into the pub before last oh, orders were called
2: that's fascinating aspect to life over there oh yeah is your pub life i think that's interesting
0: yeah i mean of course nowadays it's changed because pubs can stay open uh all day and i think they have to close by midnight but You know, depending on what sort of you said, you had
2: to lock in or something.
0: Yes, in the old days, when when the pubs used to close at ten thirty, if you were familiar with the landlord and the uh, the locals, you would be able to lock the doors, shut the lights off in the in the pub, and or sneak into the back room and continue drinking and telling (laughs) stories.
2: I hope that was a Saturday night.
0: Oh no, that was any night of the week. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) Well, did
2: you have a preference to what you did with the painting or the wigs or the makeup or what did you like doing best?
0: Um, Well, of course, you know, the one department I forgot to mention, of course, is the lighting department. So that was, you know, something that was really quite fascinating. How you can transform a white light into different colors and you can put um, like a screen in that that has shapes so that you can uh, project... um, say, a, a sailboat or a, um, clouds or something like that. So you'd have your, your backdrop in the theatre, the cyclorama, which would normally be lit in blue to represent the sky, and then you could use these screens and the lights to project clouds onto the background. And, of course, if you were really clever and had the right equipment, the clouds would actually move across the sky so that you've got some sense of, of reality
1: that was quite an art oh what so it it to do yeah, that
0: yeah because uh, a lot of the time what would happen is is one light with the clouds in the middle would be on and then the next light would be just slightly off and so they one light would fade out as the other comes up so it gave the illusion oh. of movement because in those days back in the in the the uh, middle of the last century, which uh, you know we all know is a long while ago, we didn't have the technology that allowed the light itself to move. So you actually just rather like making a movie, you do one, one, one cell at a time and you get 16 lights and that would give you the movement of the clouds it's across the... kind of the,
2: how cartoons started, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You keep mean, drawing all these...
0: yeah. Yeah. integral moments. You know, and, and the old the flick books that we used to have yeah. as kids so that you could see the, the, the horse coloring. galloping along or the person Well this is
2: kind of a, a, a way you have teased us with your magic because before we never thought of putting pictures as background and and you've you've done that you started that a little bit of teasing now it sounds like there's a lot more but you have to have the equipment and the space for that
0: yeah i mean fortunately you know holly creek does have some uh um uh, you know digital projectors in in fellowship hall and of course you have a very lovely digital projector in um the movie theater, so, you know, now it's easier to do that kind of thing, and of course, we all have desktop computers that have all kinds of programs on oh. them that allow us to put together.
2: But Sandy, doesn't that seem like a different age? <laughs> <from> <laughs> I, <was> I, <laughs> 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 I wish we could do it. But now, Sandy, you went to one of the productions that was in the theater. What, as a non-res uh, thespian, what was, what was your... Feeling about all well, that?
1: I did go to one and it was in the theater, and I was honestly quite frustrated because I was sitting way back and I had a hard time listening to the thespians and seeing them. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it was hard. And I know, having gone to other thespian productions in Fellowship Hall, I was really hoping that we would be back in Fellowship Hall. And
2: the well, this was a, really an experiment, right, Richard? We were trying to say, yeah. see if it was doable because it really is a theater.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the 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 thing that I that I liked about it was that it did have tiered seating, um, and with the readers being the thespians being readers rather than actual stand-up performers, mm-hmm. everybody is sitting, usually behind a table or a desk or something, and um, you know, when you're on the flat as the as the presenters and the audience are on the flat as the listeners it's harder to see so I thought well at least in the theater you've got tiered seating which may help in terms of um, everybody being seen I mean however it is you only see everybody from their chest up because if you're not looking between somebody's shoulders you're looking at the back of somebody's head as as Mm -hmm. an audience Mm -hmm. member so you know There are many things that we could do. It would be lovely to actually give the thespians a stage to sit on so that, you know, they're elevated above the audience. But I thought, well, maybe if we elevate the audience.
2: I think it was a good idea just to see. And I think the audience then needs to have a a mindset that I'm not going to see, but I'm going to listen. And in the meantime, you had these pictures going on
0: yes when we did our our Christmas presentation Mm -hmm. in fellowship back in fellowship um, you know I did have uh, a series of projections that related to each of the stories that were being told by the various members of the thespians Um, so yes I think that way the audience could actually listen because they weren't looking at the thespians they were looking at the screen above them, so that you could actually sort of get much more of a uh, sense of what the story was about, because not only are you hearing it, but you're seeing images.
2: Yeah, so your lighting was really helpful in that situation, too.
0: Yes, yeah. How do you select
1: the
2: cast
0: for the performances? (laughs) Well, um, the thespians have, I think, probably about... 25 to 30 members at the moment not all of whom are active every single time because obviously people have commitments outside of being a thespian which like is doctor's appointments doctor's <laughs> appointments and things like you know <laughs> medical medical and human necessities um you know and really anybody in theater tries to avoid that because you know there aren't that many opportunities to perform mm-hmm. but you know i certainly understand that so uh, you know we cast it based on, on availability um, as well as
2: time. And you have been very flexible with that. If something's come up... There's yes, I mean, the very
0: first show we did, we actually had three completely separate casts. There was one cast that did one performance and another cast did another performance. And then when we all went upstairs to... Um, the assisted living lounge it was a combination of the of the first two casts and some newcomers so we, we actually ended up using I think most of the thespians at some point
2: and many of the people I've talked with like the idea that you can share these performances to some degree up in Alpine
0: yes um, of course we were doing Alpine because we were only in the um, movie theater mm-hmm. which only has a well, thirty-five seat capacity. So, um, and it's very difficult for the uh, residents of the uh, assisted living to get down to be there because there's only certain amount of space they can be in if they're in, uh, you know, uh, a wheelchair or and many in, would in, in walkers.
2: Yeah, needing a caregiver. Yeah, and that sort of thing.
0: So it was much easier in that instance to do it upstairs. Although one we did the fellowship lounge I noticed that most of the people that attended the performance in the alpine lounge up in, the living mm-hmm. were able to come down because there was more space in the alpine lounge
2: yeah, that was great. For, to that accommodate was great.
0: people so that's a good reason for being in fellowship mm-hmm.
1: How can you encourage friends to join Vespians?
0: How can um, you encourage friends? Well, sometimes a you know a nine millimeter automatic might help press to their <laughs> head or or uh, thing. But it it's really more about. Do you want to have fun? Do you want to tell a story? Um, pretend to be someone else. Also, yeah, pretend to be someone else. I mean, it, there are so many choices that you can you can have. I mean. We Our last performance, we did a, a, a piece that's from Ireland that um, Jack Kelly had written. Um, so there were people who were going to give it a shot and give an Irish accent to it. Um, I think they did pretty
2: well. <laughs> and they,
0: they did pretty well. I mean, as I always say to anybody doing an accent, do the ac- accent that the audience expects you to have. So, you know, if you're from the south, you can come on with a little southern bell and yowls. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> you Richard, know, how many of
2: those can you do? A oh, whole oh lot of them?
0: I could do you the whole, the, whole, <laughs> the whole thing in that, or, or, you know. Can uh, you give us a forest Gump? Uh, not really. No, I'm more into regional okay. accents. So, so, you know, if you want uh, you know, somebody from Glasgow, for example, I can do that for you a hen or, uh, you know, going in the old cockney like Michael Kane. Uh, you do you know, it takes a man four seconds, wearing a tweed coat, by the way, four seconds to fall from the top of Big Ben to the Grand. Now, not many people know that.
2: <laughs> you know, before we got on the, on the air, Richard was having must do a wave, a British wave. You couldn't all see that, but it's just fun to be somebody
0: else and for yeah, a moment. I mean, you know, as... I think everybody knows the late Queen Elizabeth really? when she was uh, in her car or going anywhere or in a big crowd. She had her cupped hand and would circle it round <laughs> on the end with her arm, you know, elbow bent. So it was almost like, come on, my people, come yeah, on. What was to she me. doing
2: with the other arm? Um, she had a purse on the other arm. <laughs> <laughs> There's all kinds of stories about what she carried around with her. But.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, the one thing that most of the. World, Most of the royal family, if they're in a social engagement, if they're having to drink, will drink vodka because it doesn't linger on your breath. So, you know, for for the dipsomaniacs in Holly Creek, vodka's the one to go for (laughs) because you can't smell it on your breath. Um, But the other thing was that her security always knew whether she wanted to shake hands or not. Because if the purse was on her right arm, she wasn't shaking hands. If it was on her left arm, she would shake hands. So, you know, there's all these little quirks that uh, uh, are known, particularly in theatre, because obviously you have a a Royal Command performance, um, you know, the actors are lined up and the directors and producers and various people are lined up in the reception line and uh, so the Queen has to shake many, many hands. It would be hard if she
2: changed hands and you were the next in line.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, you know, that that was something was, you know, if the purse was on the right hand, she would go along and just nod and oh, you know and, and what you do young yeah, man or whatever it might be. But rust if, her hand. Yeah because you know if the purse is on this hand you can't shake hands um, uh, as efficiently. So you know if she came into the meeting with the purse on the right hand. Is that
2: a pretty common knowledge?
0: Uh, not really common. I think you know those who happen to look for who, who, you know have met the queen or, or are observers of the Queen, or talk to
2: Richard. Yeah,
0: you know, would know that by, you know, oh, we're at ascot and the Queen's got her purse on her left arm, so she's going to be shaking hands with various people. Uh, so Because, of course, she was a great lover of horses and racehorses in particular. Oh, and dogs. And dogs. She owned uh, several racehorses, yeah. some, of, some of whom won, uh, you know, the major races in England. Yeah. She but that already. has nothing to do with thespians, so let's get off that.
1: Right <laughs> 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 well she well, was I. a lovely lady. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she was indeed um um and you know we now have our new king king charles the 3rd um and it will be interesting to see what he does because he's he's a little bit m- more progressive than some of his uh, older mm-hmm. members of the royal family so'll
2: influenced by his younger his mm-hmm. children and mm-hmm.
0: their children. Yeah, I mean, he's always been interested in in bringing the monarchy from yeah. the nineteenth, at least, to the twentieth century, and now, of course, we're in the twenty first century. So, with with uh, uh, William and Harry, he's interested in ensuring the monarchy well, progresses, moves on. Getting back There'll to be the many SBA. changes. <laughs> oh yes, I'm sure they will.
2: You did a lot of traveling in
0: taking your show on the road yeah I uh, after I'd done my apprenticeship I moved to a theater in uh, greater London in uh, Richmond which of course is now the home of the Apple TV series Ted Lasso Um, and there's a lovely theater there and our job was to take the shows from the west end of London and condense them both physically in terms of the scenery and so on and so forth so that they could go and be toured around England. So, for example, um, you know, before Phantom of the Opera toured the UK, it would go into the theatre in Richmond where they would adapt the scenery to fit... A smaller stage than a big West End theatre.
2: That was would be difficult.
0: It was always challenging, yeah. So you'd have to
2: leave some of it out, or
0: yeah, you'd literally, you know, the 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 set would be adapted in such a way that if you were in a theatre that was uh, one size, you could have. 20 pieces of the scenery there and if you were in a smaller theater you'd only maybe have 18 or 17 pieces of the scenery because it was a smaller stage so you were constantly uh you know adapting things so when I started there um you know I was just a lowly assistant stage manager but after a couple of years I got to be um more of a uh, hands-on guy in terms of... You became of manager, mm-hmm. didn't you? I, I became, eventually became a company manager, which meant that when you took the show on on tour from theatre to theatre, you would be going around 16 to 20 theaters. Now Are all these
2: measurements written down someplace so you didn't have to go and look it out before? Or?
0: No, you basically knew that if you were going to a theatre in Sheffield, you could... How big it was. You or? could put the set on as, as was, but if you were going to... Um, you know a little seaside town in Brighton say you'd have you know that you're not going to get all 20 pieces on that you're down Mm -hmm. to your 16 pieces um so you you always knew well in advance which theatres you were going to how how big they were and you knew that that's a 20 20 piece that's Mm -hmm. a 16 piece that's a 17 piece so how long was your (laughs) processable Oh, you had you to be very to be. successful. So, how, we how
2: long was your truck pr- procession going into a new
0: city? Um, in those days, it was probably, depending on the show itself, if, if it was a musical, it was probably two semis or maybe three. If it was a, a regular straight play, you'd probably get it into a good-sized box van because you're not hauling musical instruments, lots of costumes, mm-hmm. extra lighting... A lot of planning. Oh, these things always, you know, are, are planned probably a year or two years in advance. Because we have I any t- do. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
2: Any emergencies that you can tell us about, where you didn't have something you were counting on?
0: Um, there was one interesting play that we that that, that we were doing, um, and the theater, for some bizarre reason, was not at ground level. It was one story up, uh-huh. so there there was no. Uh, the, the loading bay, there was no loading bay. There one. were just doors on the back of the theatre and then there was a sheer drop down to the ground. So you literally had to, when you were loading the scenery in, push the scenery up the wall and somebody at the top would grab the top of the scenery and pull it through, you know, the door. Oh. So we always hated going to this one theatre because we knew that was always going to be an issue. So problem. that was when... You know, you you were very circumspect about what you took there, because if you had big, heavy stuff that you had to carry up the stairs, it could be a problem. But you know, if it was too large to go up the stairs, you had to go up the outside wall. And on one occasion, the uh, strike crew, which is the crew that comes in at the very end of the show, on the last performance, to strike, take down the scenery and load it into the van, hadn't turned up. So there was myself and uh, two of the actors who had to load all the scenery down the back wall. So I'm standing at the bottom (laughs) as they're lowering it down. And, you know, God love actors. They're great at one thing, but they're not very good at physical stuff. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So, you know, I'm catching scenery, which, okay is only made of wooden canvas you know. That's
2: pretty heavy at a, a distance. Yeah, you but know, when that, it's
0: coming down the yeah. wall at you and it's it's six feet wide and 12 feet tall, it's... Well, that
2: makes Holly Creek's relatively easy. Uh, somewhat, <laughs>
0: somewhat easier, yeah. What, do,
2: what did you imagine before you took this position?
0: Um... I just kept a very open mind about it because <laughs> Good you know for you. Um, <laughs> our dear friends Reg and Phyllis had mentioned it, and, and I said, "Well, you know, maybe I can help out somewhere." I mean, I've, oh my goodness, I we mean, needed you. Just, we need you <laughs> just in just in the U.S. U.S. alone. I've actually done more than 190 productions oh, which is if you if you figure out over 30 years and divide 30 into 190 a lot. On, who's the mathematician here who can work it out that's about 5 shows a year
2: mm. well your um, vision of the actors and actresses of Holly Creek did you vi- visualize
0: walkers and um, no, because I always assumed a reader's theater was everybody sitting down and reading uh, so. rather than, um, what I would love it to be is reader's theater where you actually get up and move around within the confines of whatever the play is. So, f- for example, um, one of the plays that we're going to be doing next is, a uh, lovely victorian melodrama called egad what a cad takes place in a sitting room so i thought it would be lovely if we had our two chairs and our little side tables and the actors came in entered sat in the chair or stood behind the chair and read their lines so that we actually now get some physical movement because there is uh, one particular scene that requires one of the actors to peep over the top of a screen so that he can hear the conversation in the room. (laughs) So... Depending on how we cast it and how we can do it, hopefully we can either get them to peep over the top of the screen or around the edge of the screen. But we have to bear in mind that in their one hand is gonna be their script that they have to read mm-hmm. from. But I'm hoping that this will give the thing much more. If anyone can do it, Richard, you can. <laughs> and we have a
2: sense about you. And people with walkers are welcome. Oh, absolutely. People with hearing problems are welcome. We can do things for for anyone that is willing to do it and so in summing up Sandy I think we have we've got quite a treasure here we certainly do I appreciate I know Ken and I really <laughs> appreciate your, your willingness to take us as we are And work with us and help something magic happen.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, please, anybody out there that that really wants to come and tell a story and have some fun with us, you're going to be more than welcome on your walker, in your wheelchair. Um, You know, if they have to wheel you in on a gurney... You know, we'll figure <laughs> out how we to get a you to lying <laughs> yeah, it,
2: It'll we're, be there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Richard and Sandy. It's
1: been uh, such a pleasure having you here. Awesome this is Wanderings
0: delight. for today. Delight to talk to you both. So long. Bye now.
1: I to go a-wandering along the mountain trail. and as I my knapsack gone by then.